0: This is a personal and private recording by a member of the U.S. Air Force. Codename, Project Blue Book. Case file, 11004. Designated, Stonefall. January 9th. The files arrived this morning. I'd arrived back in Stonefall yesterday afternoon and headed straight for my room. I had a lot to process and I didn't really want to see the sheriff. I didn't really want to be in this town, although I knew if I wanted to find out what had happened to Johnny and Martha, and maybe what had happened for it to change its name, I'd have to go even deeper in it. I eventually called on the sheriff in the early evening, after a quick drink at the bar to settle my nerves. He didn't seem to think anything was wrong. He informed me that Peter and his friends had fled town, but he was anticipating that they'd be back, I asked if he was going to go and look for them. He told me they didn't really have the resources. I made sure my visit to the sheriff was short, and I made my way back to my room. I was hoping to be able to go and speak to Grace today, and find out more about her husband. But then the files came. Three hefty boxes of them, with a note attached from my boss, which just read, These are the files you asked for. The lack of culpability in that message didn't surprise me, but I was worried I was being used as a scapegoat. If someone found out about this extra part of the investigation, an investigation that, though ordered by my boss, had already been dismissed by other people in the Air Force, then I was certain I'd be held responsible. In total, there are... 167 files. Each details an individual sighting into unidentified flying objects in the Stonefall, or more accurately, Fallbrook area. Some are banded together, different perspectives on the same event, but most of them are individual. There seems to be no single significant event, and the sightings come from a variety of people. There's a lot of reports from Elias Brazel, the man from Massachusetts, but these tail off, as I imagine he quickly realized it wasn't the job of the authorities to prove, but rather disprove his theories. There's uh, a report from Louise Finch, who describes seeing a cigar-shaped object hovering above the town square, shining dim lights. I wonder why she hadn't mentioned that before. The objects described are various and often vague. There are regular mentions to discs and a few more to cigar-shaped objects glimpsed above different places in the town. The majority just mention lights, and understandably, a lot of these are put down to aircraft. But suppose they're not aircraft. Even if these witness statements are accurate and honest, the Air Force came here and told the Sheriff and I that the latest sighting had a logical explanation. So what's to say they didn't do the same for all of these? And that the truth is that every single one of these 167 sightings is real. That would mean that in all likelihood, extraterrestrials were responsible for taking Johnny and Martha. How many other people have been taken from Stonefall over the years? There are uh, no mentions to any missing persons. These files pertain exclusively to lights and flying objects, and I wonder if there are others hidden somewhere, or maybe even destroyed. This tape has been returned to me under one condition. I don't know how much they've taken out. I just wanted to start recording again, straight away. I need to say what's just happened. I can't go into too much detail, and I've been told, firmly, that my speculation is not welcome if this tape is retained as part of the US Air Force's records. I'm to stick to the facts. It's now 11 in the evening. After going through the files, I went to see the sheriff for further updates about the fire. He had very little to offer me. Peter is still out of town. I wanted to ask him about Fallbrook and his memories of the town before it became Stonefall but I didn't have the courage. So I decided to take the coward's approach. I waited till nightfall, and then, when I was sure that I wouldn't be interrupted, I went back into the sheriff's station. There was still someone on duty, so I smiled as I walked past them and said I couldn't sleep. They'd report back to the sheriff I was here, but there'd be no way of knowing what I was doing. I closed the door to the Sheriff's office, and I started going through his files. I was worried that he'd have sent any old ones to New Haven for archiving, but I had a feeling that if there was anything he wanted to keep hidden, he'd make sure it was close. My search was fruitless, at first. I checked endless filing cabinets and folders, but there was nothing of interest. I did notice, without really concentrating on it, that there were a lot of reports concerning the manor house that you drive past as you enter Stonefall, I thought that seemed odd. I eventually found something in the sheriff's desk drawer. It was an old file, written by his predecessor, but about him. The sheriff and his father had come into the station to report the sheriff's childhood sighting of a strange man in military uniform. The interview revealed something that the sheriff hadn't told me. On seeing the strange man in uniform, and after trying to talk to him, the sheriff had thrown stones at him. One had hit the man on the head, and though the man did not react to it, or show any pain, he started to bleed. But it wasn't like normal blood. It was clear. And in the words of the prepubescent sheriff, The blood shone. I thought back to Louise Finch's story of Johnny and Martha's eyes glowing just before they were taken. I spent some time making sure the office was as it had been when I arrived and I left. But someone was waiting for me outside the station. It was the woman from the bar. I asked her to introduce herself, and she refused. She knew who I was, though. She said my investigation had been of interest, particularly as she believed that it had been discounted by another member of the Air Force. I told her my boss had asked me to stay on. The woman asked me what I'd discovered so far, and I said very little. The town was a hotbed for sightings, and everyone was lying through their teeth but I didn't really know what about. She asked me if I'd collected any evidence beyond what had been taken to New Haven. I told her about the mirror I'd found and alluded to the missing fragments of the one that had been taken away with the other evidence. She didn't seem surprised by this information. She asked to see the tape recordings I was making of my investigation. And when I showed her them, She wasted no time in removing a large section of it. She seemed to know exactly which part she was aiming for. It was then that she advised me that my speculation wasn't welcome, and that if I had been asked to stay, then I should continue my investigation in a fair and impartial manner. She added that she didn't expect me to find anything. Of course, I'm not allowed to speculate as to the identity of this woman. I can only speak of the facts. So far, they are these. She conducted herself in a manner that I have rarely seen outside of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Her unwillingness to confirm this to me shows that if she is FBI, she isn't part of something I'm meant to know about. When she left, I found my room had been bugged. As she turned to go, she said one last thing. It's the house on the hill. And I think I might know what she means. Stonefall was created and written by James Mortimer. Read by Rebecca Malewish. Music by Kevin MacLeod at Incomptech.com, Licensed under Creative Commons.